keep pulling you out of your dreams? Yeah? Or were you hanging in there in the present moment? Somewhat. <clears throat> hanging in there somewhat, but definitely your instruction helped a lot. All right. This is what you got to do to yourself. And you can... It helps you to have that dialogue. It, after a while, you don't have the dialogue, but you just have the intention or the virya, the, the spirit of wanting to do that, of staying in the present moment. But the whole point is staying in the present moment. And, and when you're wrapped up with illusion, you have to know how to separate yourself out. So you have to have a base, a home base. So you establish that home base when you begin to sit. So as soon as you sit, sit down, this is your home base. You know this is where you're at. You're clear about it. Very, very clear. This is where you're at. So all of a sudden you're, you start and you're at work. No, you're not at work. We use the diamond cutter that cuts through illusion. We use our training to see that it's an illusion that's there. That we didn't call this up. It's appearing and obscuring mind. What was there a moment ago that was illumination that we were clear about what we were doing is now obscured by the thoughts that arise in the mind and we're taken away. When we remind ourselves that we're, we're sitting to meditate, we bring ourselves back to this moment and shed ourselves from the illusion that was affecting us a moment ago. We're back on the method. And then another illusion comes and pulls us away. It can pull you away so subtly of a sudden you're, you're out the door or somewhere else or you see the wood floor and all of a sudden you're on a wood floor in a dance hall or a wood floor in a library or somewhere else and you don't even notice that subtle transition that pulled you away. It is that discernment and staying in the present moment that enables you to say this is this moment not over here and constantly just pulling you back, pulling you back. When you dial it in just right, time stops. And you can, in a blink of an eye, it can be an hour. But it's a matter of holding the method. And you hold it very lightly. You hold it like this, just lightly like this but you understand that you're sitting there and you're practicing, you're clear about it. And that clarity enables you to stay in that present moment. If you don't practice like this, you'll get nowhere. You'll just be good at sitting and watching illusion. You have to learn to separate out so that that is discernment. Discernment is critical. Why? 
Because when you get up and you're operating in the world, this is the real game. You're no longer practicing. This is just a practice field. Now you use your discernment to stay in the present moment. You use your discernment to see everything, to observe everything that's happening around you. Every single little bit of data and information is essential for you to make wise decisions as to what's happening in any given moment. So we separate out the idea of illusion. Well, this person is this way and they're and they're doing this and I need to counteract and push back or whatever it is. So one is clear and when we're not certain about what is happening because we don't have sufficient data to make a decision, we withhold making a decision about that particular event. So for instance, if you were at work and a coworker passed by and you, you know, you said, hi, Sherry, and the person just ignored you, you'd go, hmm, she's really stuck up. Well, who would say that? Self. But you don't have enough information yet to know. If she does that every day, then you have information. But on that particular day, maybe she had a fight with her husband. Maybe she got into an accident. Maybe she was yelled at by her boss. So you find the way to, to obtain the information, you know, in a very careful way. You know, when you, next time you see her or whatever, are you okay? You know, are you this? Oh, it's all right. I just had this. Instead of the next time when you see her, you just go, hmm, I'm not going to talk to you. You ignored me. And then you create something that wasn't there before. An animosity that wasn't there before. Simply because you had insufficient information to make a wise decision, but made the decision anyway. This is how wisdom works. Wisdom runs you right straight into reality and assist you in determining the best conduct. Sometimes the best conduct is no conduct until you find out exactly what's going on. And all of this comes from sitting on a cushion and practicing. And, and practicing keeping the mind stable so that it's able to utilize all the information available to it at any given moment. But if the mind is in a dream state, Hi, Sherry. She knows. Hmm, who is she? You're no longer there. You've got this little thought bubble, kind of like in a cartoon, that pulls aside and says, Hmm, next time she comes by, I'm going to ignore her. She can't do this to me. And then, boom, you're back again. And you, you go walking some more. And maybe you're at work and you want to do it. I don't like work or whatever. That has nothing to do with you walking, but those impressions come up. So when you sit there, then you go, I don't want to work. I'm bored. Or whatever. You're, that's not in reality happening in that moment. That's something else that's coming. And you're constantly being pulled out of that moment and pulled aside by this 
fictional self that has an opinion on everything. And in that moment, there's darkness. There's nothing happening out here because the mind is occupied with this fictional opinion. So it doesn't see the things. Hey, watch out, you're going to hit that car. Oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking of what I'm going to say to my boss later on. You're not functioning. You're not functioning in the right way. Mike, uh, earlier um, this weekend, was asking me, how can you function if you just have awareness? You function perfectly. You, you use consciousness as a tool, but you don't use illusory images to do that. If you need to think of something, you can pull up an illusory image in your mind to say if this and this and this and this happens, but you are perfectly aware that this information is being processed. And it's illuminated, that's wisdom. When one pulls out and uses this illusory self, it's dark. Because there's no processing, there's just this default program that's making really bad day-to-day decisions for you. So what we do is we use the mind in a proper way, utilizing wisdom. That wisdom enables us to, to open up to this wonderful compassion that we have, that we can see things in the right way. And when you see things, you see things from a little bit different perspective than than you saw before. It's not the same as as when when you were thinking and and it gives you an idea how to harmonize in a situation. Is it can you let me talk to him about what we we're talking about outside, Vanessa? Yeah. Okay. It's not anything really major or personal, but I, I just wanted your permission because we've talked outside. For instance, Vanessa was telling me that her husband's a very good practitioner and he practices no self. So she asked me, is it possible if you have no self, you know, that it, maybe it's too much no self, kind of is what she was talking about. And she said, because my husband, his friends, use him to do this and do that, do that, do that, do that, do that. And I said, yes, it's possible sometimes because you can become an enabler of somebody who likes to use other people. So, but if it's just something that's, that happens, oh, I need to move, okay, I'll go help you move, no problem. Um, not only do I need to, to help you move, but I need, you know, you to mow my lawn. Oh, no problem, I have a, a, a lawnmower. No, or borrow the lawnmower, but I don't know how to use it. Oh, I'll, I will mow it for you. Okay, and I'll trim your trees. Um, you know, I I need my house painted. Do you know anybody who could paint it? I will paint it. Then all of a sudden we have to look at it and say, how much is there? Wisdom tempers this compassion so that one doesn't enable another person to use somebody, become a taker. And wisdom also looks at it and goes, and this is not happening, I'm, I, and I'm not saying it, but it could be that, Hmm, maybe husband is 
is is looking for a um, an excuse to get out of the house. I, I had I won't use Vanessa because I, I I don't want to go there with her. But I had one a person come into my office um, this last week, and it was a lady. She was probably maybe in her early sixties, and she said that her husband, who was the stepfather to her daughter, um, had is very confused uh, family had adopted, or no, that he was really supporting her daughter's adopted son and spending a lot of time over there. And I went, have you ever thought that your husband is paying too much undue attention to your daughter? Because she was in there to get a divorce. And she said, well, my mother told me to watch my daughter and so she was unable to use discernment to take a look at things and go hmm maybe if my daughter's spending the night over, or my my husband spending the night at my daughter's house there might be something happening which no there was but the idea is, is that sometimes we cloud our mind and we don't see things clearly. We're not able to process things. On the other hand, we may think that if our husband goes to help somebody, that because we're so insanely jealous, that he's doing something bad if it's a, a single woman. And I knew a single woman that um, her husband... Her, her friend's husband went over to, to to do some work at her house very innocently. But then the, the married woman came over and said, I just want to let you know that that's my husband. And um, she kind of fired a, a strike, you know, a shot over the bow just in case. But, but she had the idea of that might be something, even though she knew that this friend was not capable of that. And, and we, we see things, and there's no easy answer to it, but wisdom enables us to kind of process these things and to come up with the best solution. Sometimes there's not a good solution. Sometimes we just simply don't know. Is he helping out, or is he helping himself? We don't know. So we use wisdom to try to measure our response to things instead of having that little self say, no, he's doing that, he's doing this, he's doing that, he, he's doing all of these things. And so, uh, or just burying your head in the sand, you know, to the things that are, that are actually happening. Chan enables us to use our wisdom in a way to fit the situation so we don't overplay our role like as somebody who's insanely jealous, or underplay our role like the woman that I was seeing that was afraid to really ask what was going on there. We follow the middle way in what we do. The middle way is just this moment. We're in the present moment. We're not in the past. We're not in the future. We're in this moment. We're using the middle way. And in this middle way, we're developing wisdom. When we're sitting on a cushion, 
we're developing wisdom. We're enabling our mind to settle down so that wisdom can arise. It does not arise from crossing our legs. It arises from the proper utilization of the method incorporating in right view of how mind works. Once we understand how mind works, then we go, ah, this is how it works. If I could only do it, okay, sit and practice. Sit and practice and, and, and calm down. And then when you calm down, you, your mind will be very stable and it will be able to, to stay in the present moment. Maybe for a couple of minutes, maybe for 10 seconds, maybe for an hour later on. Not bad. And as you do that, even if you, if you did it and you were only able to keep in the present moment for five to ten seconds, that's not bad. At least you know what the present moment is. At least you know where that bubble should be. You know, the contractors of different kinds always have a level, right? And the bubble can be over here, could be over there. But when you really want something level, that bubble's going to be right there in the middle. And that's what we're doing with meditation, is we want to keep the bubble of the present moment right there dead center. If we can do that, then the mind is capable of discerning appearances, because we know we're right here. And if something happened that happened in the past, we know it's not with the bubble. Or in the future, we know it's not with the bubble. Or if something appears totally away from what we're, we're measuring, then we know it's not um, in this moment. It's an illusion. And we are constantly checking. Okay, is that bubble there? Okay, I need to adjust here or adjust here. And all we're doing is just watching that bubble, watching the bubble come back to that present moment. And when you're there in that present moment, what Shifu used to say, Buddha is in the present moment. Why is Buddha in the present moment? Because the mind is clearly functioning with wisdom. It, it is, uh, it's funny because uh, I do work with, um, with people that need a conservator and the, our measure of somebody that's that doesn't have lost their mind is that they're not well oriented as to time and space. But if you really apply that, probably most people are crazy or have dementia because they're not oriented as to time and space. Oh, they can pass a test if somebody asks them, but but if you ask them long enough, they'll 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 go off. Uh, I had a lady who came in and she wanted. Um, to modify her her father's trust. And I had done his trust a long time ago, so I said, okay, bring him in, but you cannot be here when I talk to him, because there were some issues in the family. So I started talking to him, talking to him. And in the beginning, he appeared to be all right. And then later on, when, um, when I left and my associate was talking to him, he says, oh, that lady that brought me in, she's not my daughter. And and the whole thing was is that he had no idea where he was at, what he was doing, but but 
it appeared to him that it was clear in what he was doing, but he really wasn't oriented as to time and space. And we have to be that way. We have to be clear as to what we're doing. Anybody ever go to you, hello, are you in there? And that ever happened to you? My wife sometimes, are you listening to me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but is that selective or is that actual? <laughs> That's like, you know, they say, oh, you know, um, I have selective hearing. <laughs> when, when she speaks, I'm deaf. <laughs> but yeah, so people go, you know, hello, are you in there? You know, where are you at? No. And, and that means you're not oriented as to time and space in that moment, at least as far as they're concerned. But in, in any case, that's important in terms of, of what we do. So as we sit to meditate, this is an integral part of, of how we, we do this. We're very relaxed. We know what our method is. We know this moment. We know where we're at in this moment. We're not engaged in thinking because there's no reason to think. All we're thinking about is the method, which is not thinking because it's a repetitive thinking. So it's not defined as thinking because there's no sequential thought other than the repetition of it. If there's sequential thought, then we're off the method. And so we use our proper exertion, the virya, to create an environment that fosters keeping the method. We want to keep that method. But if we don't have very much uh, energy to do it, we go, okay, let's go. Thoughts come and take me. And then you're there and you're just, the thoughts come and they take you away. And then you get up and you go, oh, next time I'll do better. Or I've got a scattered mind, you know. Well, there is a cure to the scattered mind, but you've got to do it. You, you cannot do that otherwise. If you don't, then uh, it, it won't work. Any questions? No questions? How did you do with your, this method today? It's good. Good? Yes. Did all right? Still here. Huh? Still here. Good. I have to go to work. Yeah, it's good work. <laughs> so she follows function. Follow function. It's good seeing you. You did all right? Yeah. I yeah. So. I, I seemed like you guys were, were, were doing pretty good, although in the beginning you were kind of like all over the place. And kind of like the thought bubbles were getting you, and then I started bringing you back in, and you're doing all right. So that's good. Um, where are we at with the time? Okay. So the, the ideas of what I've been teaching you today, they've gone from from somewhat complex to very simple, very mundane things. I've taught you about mind and that this is what we should be practicing. We don't practice consciousness, we practice mind. We understand consciousness via mind. Sometimes um, people th say that's too deep. But it's not really too deep, it's where we should be if we want to practice. Um, I don't know if I've ever told you guys this, but there was uh, um, one sutra of uh, the inconceivable state. 
and in that sutra, Sabuti is asking uh, Manjusri, Sabuti being uh, a, a great practitioner, he's asking Manjusri, the Bodhisattva, because uh, he was engaged in a dialogue with the Buddha, and they were talking about about uh, deep prajna, paramita, deep wisdom. And Sabuti said, "What do you think, um, Manjusri? Um, are you not um, uh, doing a good job of taking care?" of your students by speaking of this type of a dharma. And so Manjusri's response was, suppose a person had um, an illness, it, would you give them candy or would you give them the, the bitter medicine that's necessary for their cure. And Sabuti said, of course I would give them the bitter medicine because that's what will, will heal them. And he says, so it is with the Dharma that one gives what is necessary to people for them to, to, uh, to practice. So if one just simply gives to you, okay, cross your legs, you know, relax and I'll ring a bell. That's like giving people candy. But when we give them the Dharma of, of wisdom, then they're able to transcend. This is the true one. But it's not very comforting initially because the self doesn't want to go away. But you're saying, wait a second, you're telling me that the self is a virus. And that's not very comfortable. It's a very bitter pill to swallow. But it is a pill, nevertheless, that's necessary to swallow. And if you receive this type of training early on, it will save you a lot of time in terms of practice because you'll be well-oriented as to what you're doing. If you don't get this message, then you will be left to guess between consciousness and mind, and you will be practicing consciousness instead of mind. So I leave you where I, be, I began with you, with the saying that sages return consciousness to mind. Fools turn mind into consciousness. This is very important for you to remember that very important. Then you'll know where you do your work. You do your work in mind. Investigating mind. That's the key. Any questions? No questions? Okay, join poem.